The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Imagine being able to take a boatload of Stormlight uh, over to Warbreakerville. Uh, <laughs> Mal- Malthus. Malthus, thank you. I was I'm struggling uh, with planet names at the moment. Fantastic. He's got a lot on his mind, Jeff Wu. Don't, don't <laughs> worry about it. Warbreakerville. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode number 302. Today, we are discussing Rhythm of War parts one and two. So roughly the first half of Rhythm of War. These are very long sections. I am Craig, I'm your host, and with me, if he were a Parshendi, he'd have rediscovered the long-lost creep form by now. It's Ken Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to punch you in your steers. I, I don't think I've ever gotten laughter like that out of Ryan and Stephanie. <laughs> that, that was a good one. Okay, good. All right, and she's Shalon's fifth personality, the one that dropped out of high school and got addicted to Diet Mountain Dew. It's Stephanie Bruckman. Gross. I can't even imagine what Diet Mountain Dew would taste like. <laughs> Sadness and urine. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and if Moash can have his own subreddit, then this guy has earned his about three times over. It's Ryan Bruckman. Yeah, as long as it starts with F, I guess that's <laughs> it works. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I, I had at least two pretty good jokes that I couldn't tell on this PG-13 podcast. So I'm just going to move along. All right, so welcome, everybody, to our Rhythm of War discussion, the first of our spoilerific Rhythm of War discussions. So before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody, you can find us at thelegendarium.com. It used to be thelegendariumpodcast.com, and you can still type it in, but it'll just take you to the new place. So visit us there. You can find past episodes sorted by author, sorted by series, whatever, um, and uh you can find links to the various social channels that we use. So please join us, especially on Discord these days. This is where the most of the action takes place. Although I did make it a point to hop on Reddit for the first time in I don't know how long and uh, get some listener questions for this episode. So that was great. I know that our Reddit people have been a little bit neglected. Sitting back in the corner going, when are they coming back? Mommy, <laughs> Daddy, when are you coming back? I like, I like how we got our stabby and then ran for the door. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, anyway, so yes, visit us at all those places. And if you enjoy what we do, uh, if you enjoy good content like this, then please consider going to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. I wish I could promise you all sorts of extra goodies and amazing things that, you know, extra content that you're going to get you can't get for free uh, now that's that's not really the way we do things we uh we do work hard to bring you some fun content for free here and uh we, we just don't have the time to, <laughs> to do a bunch of other stuff although ryan you and i have done a couple movie watch alongs yeah. that people can access there so uh apparently people have enjoyed them we should do some more yeah. anyway but for now let's move on to rhythm of war and uh, now that we've chased away the people who don't really care about us, you know, they, they ramble a lot. I'm not going to stick around. They're gone. Okay. So now Rhythm <laughs> of War. Thanks for the download. This is exactly. This is a spoilery discussion. We're not going to spoil the end of the book. We're going to discuss parts one and two. Uh, might get into some interlude stuff, but, uh, you know, but definitely not past that. Anyway. The other thing to keep in mind is that if you have read this book, then you know that we can't really 
have a discussion, at least not a free discussion of this without referencing some other Cosmere books. Mm -hmm. And so if you are concerned about spoilers for um, Mistborn, Elantris, Warbreaker, those are probably the big ones, uh, maybe White Sand a little bit. Uh, anyway, if, if you haven't read those other stories and you care, then maybe consider turning back now. Thanks for the download. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come back uh, to it, us when you finish the book. It, it's not like we're gonna we're not gonna give away like the ending of Hero of Ages or something like that. But there are plot points to discuss. And well, there's literally a very large portion of part two that is connected to a major event in one of the other books. So it's like, yeah, it it is hard to discuss aspects of this. And this is something actually to speak to Rhythm of War. Uh, we have crossed the threshold line of the Cosmere is now blatantly obvious in what we're talking about yep. in Rhythm of War. Um, I, When we first did our spoiler-free review, I think we both kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, now nope, now you got to read the Cosmere. You can't read this without the rest of the Cosmere. And I've changed my tone I, on that a little I, bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that accurately reflects how we feel about it or how what we said. My thing, and this is, this is fine. This is a fine place to start our discussion of Rhythm of War. So, yeah, let's talk about this for a second. As far as I'm concerned, and Ken and Stephanie, you guys can jump in here too. It's I, I've argued with this uh, about this a little bit with Drew McCaffrey from Inking Out Loud, mm -hmm. um, and he he says essentially that you have to read the other books to get this. I disagree. You don't have to. You can still like they're just fun little plot points or tidbits or extra bits of magic thrown in or whatever uh, that he pulls in from these other stories it's you do not have to read the others to enjoy this however if you want the full story yeah it's yeah. one of those things if you're a completionist uh you know for example if you ever played any of those games where you can see your percentage uh, of completed or whatever oh, and yeah. you're one of those who has to get to 100 i hate that because i have to i have to get to 100. i don't like you will <laughs> you will want to have read other cosmere pieces because at this point uh to me i, I kind of went back and said okay you could read this without reading any other Cosmere books, but you're going to start seeing the road signs that are very clearly marked as that comes from somewhere else. Right. Yep. And you won't be able to ignore that. Uh, it may not ruin your read or anything like that, or maybe it, it may not make it so you don't understand, but you're going to know that there's more information out there about something here versus in the past where that where it's been a little bit on the lower end or a smaller piece is dropped here and there for you to pick up if you're a Cosmere knot or whatever, then... This is now it's like, yep, turn left here if you want Warbreaker talk. Like, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. we're at. Yeah. All right. So before we go much further, though, we should probably get a Ken recap. This is literally why I brought him here. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't want him anywhere near me. Honestly, but, uh, if, if it gets me on the show, <laughs> I'm happy to do it. <laughs> All right, Ken. So uh, for, for those unfamiliar, Ken, you know, maybe you don't listen to a lot of blue team episodes these days. Ken's recaps of they're they're pretty darn good these days so really wanted to get one on go ahead ken all right even though you stepped on it because you talked about all of the cosmere spoilers because b sands he's dispensed with the easter eggs and has moved straight to leaving all of the juicy tidbits right on a plate in the middle of the table consume away so a year has passed now since the battle of thalen city officially kicked off the new desolation and our favorite void bringers frustrated odium's plan to get a new blackthorn for christmas now everything's been sufficiently leveled up radiance and fused of every flavor all over the place flying ships the bondsmith infusing gems with just a touch only to have stormlight leached away 
by Singer Fabrials. It's madness out there. But we've also got Radiance dealing with some heavy trauma. High Marshal Kaladin, he's a High Marshal now, is in a dark place, nightmares, performance issues, punctuated by a run-in with our good old friend Anti-Kaladin, who has fully embraced that it's-not-my-fault life. He gets Cal to freeze up during the maiden mission of Navani's fancy new airship to liberate, more like steel, Hearthstone. That, in turn, gets him grounded for PTS at a time when Windrunners are increasingly hard to come by because Honor Sprint are refusing to play ball. At the same time, the, threes, the three faces of Shallan are dealing with some darkness of their own in the form of long-repressed childhood trauma nagging at her, but it doesn't keep her from accepting simultaneous missions from Dalinar and Marais to go to Shadesmar, the capital of the Honor Sprint, it's called Lasting Integrity, sorry, as an envoy to convince Honor Sprint to get on board with the wind-running recruitment plans and also to spring some world hopper from being held captive. It all takes place, or all it takes to get into the city is High Boy Scout Adolin agreeing to stand in judgment for the crimes of past humanity. Meanwhile, Kaladin's upward fail gives him the chance to learn just what it means to protect on more of a ground level, and it also, in a moment of Dalinar X Machina, puts him squarely in Eurothero when the bulk of the army leaves and the singers come into the tower. Kind of like their previous attempt only on crazy steroids, and they're kind of on the clock because the humans, led by Navani, are getting close to learning how to lock up that hate sprint for good. And uh, Venley, you remember her? She's that last listener female in holding both Stormlight and Voidlight, who pretty much single-handedly started the war and who's supposed to be the focus of this book. Well, she wants to take her survivor's guilt to new Casablanca, along with whatever what singers... What are you saying? Are you saying real words right now? Yeah. <laughs> I cannot follow this. <laughs> I should have recorded What is new you. Casablanca? Okay, sorry. Go on. Go on, Ken. Sorry. She, wants, she wants to find a place that's all their own, you know, maybe okay. Bali High. Would you rather that? Okay, all right. Okay. Sorry, go on. All right. Along with whatever singers slash listeners will follow her, because it's become clear that immortality of the fused comes with the small side effect of being insane the longer that fused bodies... <laughs> Or fused body hop and continue on. It's almost done, Craig, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are really old, so they're really crazy. Now the most psycho of them all is Eurothero and wants to employ Navani's fabrial expertise, knowing that Navani could probably use her work against her. Seems like I recall reading something about pride somewhere, maybe in a Rothfuss book, I don't know. Anyway, so question one, though. Uh, why can Kaladin still operate while Teft can't? Same surge of adhesion, right? What's different? That's for you, Ryan. We'll have to talk about that. The sickness going through the tower. What's the, uh, is this the new plague that's been rumored and how big a deal will it become? And would it help if the citizens just mask up? I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. I guess we finally have, uh, we have finally seen round one of that eternal which investiture would win debate. So, uh, does Aelin find a way to resurrect Maya and become an edge dancer or does he bond Notum and become a windrunner? So the thrill, that was bottled up in a ruby, then dropped into the middle of the ocean. Unobserved. That seems prudent. I don't know. And last one. Are we supposed to be glad that Teravangian avoided being shardblading that he so richly deserved just because the stupid him has feelings or something? I, he should still be dead. That's all I got. I should have written an out cue, but I didn't because I didn't. So anyway. Okay. That's all we've got time for, folks. Thanks for coming <laughs> to the yes. Stormlight Insight. She many Christmas kids. You wanted to recap. I just I just made enemies of uh, half of our listeners who love Ken recaps more than life itself. So sorry no, about that. Um, there's a lot. It's a Sanderson book, and it, it's an epic one. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot to cover. Parts one and two are literally half the book. So It is insane how much he put in there. These are long sections, and that, this actually brings up something that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned, which is uh, if you are new to this show and you, you, this is the first time you're listening to us, then please understand we are not a lore po podcast. 
we will touch on some of those things, but we're not going to go into depth. We're covering 600 pages of of, of book right now. We, we're yeah. not going to do details very much. Yeah. Right. So this is not so, a chapter by chapter book. Yeah, or, uh, exactly. Podcast. This is not this is not an in-depth uh, read through or anything. So, you know, go check out Inking Out Loud. They take things a lot slower than we do and get more into depth if, if that's what you're looking for. So for us. OK, let's talk about this. Uh, do we want to tackle any of Ken's questions, <laughs> or do we just you really asked me one right off the top? Off? I did because I'm that one's the most curious one to me. Is why is Kaladin able to operate but Teft isn't? They're both Windrunners. Level adhesion. of level of uh, their current Windrunner level. They're is oaks. he not level three? Also, can he not summon a? Is Teft only level their two? Their current level of investiture. Their current level of Windrunnerness. That is all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Because it's literally a plot point to explore through the rest of the book as to why why Kaladin is there and, or, and the people who aren't affected by the the invasion, you know, it, and they talk about it. They say... Because uh, they talk about Kaladin and Lyft are the only ones right. that are still Yeah, and it's I because have, of something different about them. I have a feeling, we might as well hit this right now, it's kind of a tangent, but I have a feeling that Lyft <laughs> is specifically because cultivation did something to when she came for her boon and her curse she did something to uh oh, deliberately keep her able to uh, re uh, able to operate in this circumstance which is oh, why she oh, which is why she each each stormlight instead of uh, absorbs it that sort of thing i think i i think you have got a, a good eye on a good potential track you know <laughs> okay. so my stock response now when people say things like this about something that i've read ahead on is uh yeah, I, I like the way you're thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, It's a nice, okay. safe way to go about that. That's right. an interesting thought. Uh, yeah, I like where your mind's at. I, I want to say this. Uh, Mindset-wise, if you want to realize, uh, back in a couple books ago, when uh, if someone was trying to become, they wanted to become a uh, Knight Radiant, they talked about, you know, you, the Stormfather says to Dalinar, uh, no, you become Radiant and then say the words, uh, we think of it as like these flat levels, like you're a level one, you're a level two, you're a level three. No, that your your level of in, of investiture and intent and everything that is a, that a is a bottle scale. that fills up and and can change and things like that. So right, uh, that makes sense. They might be the same level of wind runner, but their investiture and intent levels would not necessarily be the same. Okay, I can buy that. By the way, I'm the only one here that has not read past has not uh, finished part the book. two. Just FYI, listener. Yeah, the rest of us have finished the book. Ken has not. I am the suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's twice I got him. What did I did I did he literally say what I think he just said? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on, please, dear God, move on. All right. It's like Kaladin's the wretch. You know. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm so thrown off right now. Really, my I'm I'm all verklempt. Uh, okay. So let's go to some listener questions. And okay. I'm guessing that the listener questions are going to cover everything that we would have talked about anyway. So it's nice to bring them in. The first one, I'm actually going to go to Reddit first. We've got Reddit and Discord questions. Uh, so I went on Reddit and I said, hey, we're discussing Rhythm of War. What do you guys want us to talk about? And uh, Heir of Selenius says, anything but Rhythm of War. So it kind of defeats the purpose. I'm pretty sure that he's not listening or she's not listening <laughs> at this point so so we'll move on to the next one then okay are you tequila because that's awfully salty uh spoken like somebody who's never had tequila I know. <laughs> okay so let's go to discord modern water writer 
I like that. Name. I love names. Yeah. I so love, we, yeah, we've names. had uh, quite a few new people pop up on the Discord. She's one of them. So uh, what did you think of the science in this book? Personally, I loved it. Can't wait to dig into the inspirations for it. Uh, this does work for the whole book, but uh, kind of get a little bit at the beginning, especially with the fourth bridge, right? That's a, a big point or a... Uh, yeah, a you have the fourth bridge uh, that you can reference with this uh, advancement in Fabriel technology. Uh, you have the epigraphs with Navani, who is laying out how Fabrials work. Uh, there's there's a handful of things early in the book that are a lot more sciency than we normally have dealt with. Yeah, and yeah. it it sat there, and uh, you know, I'm reading through these, and I'm wondering, is this do, am I going to need to understand the science of this in order to enjoy or to under, to figure out what's going on? And that that was an early concern I had going through. And Navani's like, well, to do that, you know, to bring a spren into a fabrial, you have to do this. And it, it's not it's not like it's heavy mathematics or anything like that. But there is a consistency to the science there. Like, and I just got I had a little bit of concern, but uh, ultimately unwarranted in my opinion. So are you saying that uh, you don't you can pay as close attention as you want, but you don't have to to enjoy the story? Yeah, as kind far as of. how the science works on Roshar. It's one of those things where when you get into discussions about soft magic versus hard magic, when you're literally laying out the science of something, a part of your magic system in there, uh, it's you can potentially go really far in laying out, here's all the rules and everything, and it can become problematic. And that was something I was looking at. So, uh, But ultimately, the science in this, I think it, it it is a different direction than we have dealt with in the past. Uh, it is something to be aware of, uh, and it you don't have to understand it all, but you do need to understand some concepts. I think it's also, it's added, in my opinion, to Navani's character. I mean, at the very, um, the preface of the book, we have this conversation between Navani and Gavilar, where he's telling her that she's not a scholar. She's going to amount to nothing in her life. Mm -hmm. And then we jump forward to where she is now, and she is trying so hard, I think, to prove him wrong. This was the last conversation she ever had with her husband, and I think adding the science to it and having it come from her voice really adds to Navani's character, and we get to see her growth as a person that we haven't really got to see in the previous books. I think it fleshes her out a little bit, too, in the sense that I... I don't know if I, I looked at it as her trying to prove Gavilar wrong necessarily, but it did show to me that where she's come from and, and really Gavilar, I think was wrong. I mean, she clearly is, she's not the one who's got his hands on doing all of the engineering work, but oftentimes projects of such a manner are bankrolled by somebody who has a great idea, but doesn't have the, have the skill so they get the people that have the skill and say, hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? And that's what she's doing. I mean, there's nothing shameful about being a patron of something like that, you know? Right. right. And this this is an opportunity since we're, we talked about the science, but this is directly connected to Navani because as a character, now Navani is front and center versus being a secondary. Mm, she yeah. is a prime character in this storyline. Uh, which is good. It's great. She's a really exciting character. She's something different than what we've had, a uh, mm -hmm. different perspective. Um, and if you go back and you think back to Navani's timeline and her storyline up to this point, 
this is a recurring doubt in her mind uh, because she talks about when she first shows up with Dalinar that the court has dismissed her, that she's basically just the person who has pet scientists who do things for her. But in this book, in the epigraphs and what she's written in there and uh, in the things that she's uh, that she does in this and uh, especially with the fourth bridge and uh, more to come, we see her expertise shine forth uh, in this in this realm, and it is the she's the only character like this available to us right now. The closest person I would say to Navani in terms of thought process and styling is Yasna, and they're definitely there's still a big gap between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so, for those who are really excited about Navani or who want a who don't necessarily need the 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 broken hero the uh, the the king who you know is reluctant to take his throne any of those things this is a different perspective let me, and, let me throw this out there the character from that perspective the character who is closest to navani so far is adolin in that all of our other heroes uh, you know i'm thinking through them I'm, I'm trying to see if anybody doesn't fit this but uh they're all broken, right? That's kind of the theme of the Knights Radiant. Yeah. They're all broken, silly, is what mm-hmm. uh, right. Sill says. That's what Sill says. Um, and Adolin has never fit that. He's kind of the everyman prince, you know, whatever. <laughs> but but he's not, He's. it's not that he doesn't have his issues. It's not that he doesn't have things he's dealing with. Of course, he's a person. He, he has those things. And Navani is the same way. She's not broken, but she does have a chip on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. can see part of the reason why with the prologue, which we probably should discuss at some point. But <clears throat> yeah, so she is more of a generally accessible character than our, especially our three major heroes mm-hmm. in Dalinar, Kaladin, and Shallan. With those three, I think it's safe to say that they tend to, like, one of them will resonate with a specific type of reader yeah and that specific type of reader might not care as much about the other two characters uh, storylines but navani is generally accessible because we've all felt that kind of imposter syndrome we've all felt that chip on our shoulder like we have something to prove so does that make sense yeah. and and yeah. adolin is kind of a, in a similar vein for me it's generally accessible yeah she's also well i don't know i've I didn't think this through very well, <laughs> and I'm immediately backtracking my thought. Uh, she is. I, I, I've debated whether or not I feel that Navani is our strongest female character in this book. Um, okay, so who are? Uh, let's keep it to parts one and two. But who are the contenders? We've got her. We've got Shalon. We've got um, what's her name? The the listener. Venley. 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 You. Well, yeah. and you've got Yasna barely. Like the, the problem is up to this point, we have not had much Yasna in there. Uh, she is the predominant female character in parts one and two, with the exception of Shallan. And Shallan is currently broken into three women. Um, and it is a little bit harder to identify uh, to to work with that. It's versus... easier to say that Shallan, Vale, and Radiant are all female characters within the right. book instead of Shallan as three characters because right. they are three very separate personalities. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Three and counting at this point. <laughs> so I, it was just one of those things that in a series up till now where we have had, where we had Shalon, we've had Yasna, and we've had her on the side. It, for her to take such a strong role, I think, is a shift for Brandon. I've already 
harped on it plenty that it was a new perspective and everything. Um, but when it when we're looking for someone to follow and to give us uh, an example of strong female characters in literature, I'm Navani really steps forward in this one to me up to this point in the book for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, there's a tease for you up to this point in the book. Just wait until <laughs> she sucks later. Yeah. You're going to hate her. She fails. Wait until part four. <laughs> yeah. It is. This is a, an exceptionally difficult type of book to only talk about yeah. the first two yeah. parts of. Uh, but that's what we're going to do. I'm very okay. anxious to get to the rest of it. <laughs> let's Before we do another uh, listener question, let's talk about the prologue a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. backtrack, talk about the prologue. So the if you haven't been paying attention as you've read three other Stormlight books, the prologues all depict the night of Gavilar's assassination. Uh, so the first one was through Zeth's uh, eyes. Words of Radiance gave us... Navani. Navani's. No, 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 Yasna, sorry, sorry Yasna's. Yasna's. Uh, Bringer gave us Dalinar's. No, gave us Eshenai's. Oh, yes, thank yes. you. Okay, yeah. Man, my mistake. And then Navani's in Now we have Navani. Okay, so, yeah, in case you weren't confused before, <laughs> glad to help. You Which, by the now. way, I went and listened to those, and I want to get, I want to put all four of those together That's kind somehow. of the point. By the time you yeah. finish the fifth book, you will have a complete view of the different perspectives of that night, because that was something that, with the release of Oathbringer, and going back to that night, because the first two times it's like, oh, okay, these are just different perspectives, whatever. I'm one, but now that it's a right. consistent theme across four books, that this is what we're going to do every time. Uh, it's it's more revealing each piece of what the larger scale of what Gavilar is trying to accomplish in here. Yeah, because every time that they've revealed something, the questions that I've had coming out of it have changed. Well, and yeah, go oh, sorry, keep going. I well, it's the. the so what are your questions now? The questions have changed, but. The first question has always been, like the first one was always, what did he have? Because he had a glowing rock there. Mm -hmm. And now we actually get somewhat of an answer to that. Uh, When Navani talks about she finds them, uh, she she finds Gavilar talking to his special friends. To Nalan and... To Nail and yeah, and the, uh, Restaris is who that who the other one was. I can't remember who the other one if he was named, but I don't remember. But he's literally talking to the heralds. Yeah, um, and he has these these special colored stones, and that his scale. We this whole time we've been thinking his scale has been on the you know we're trying to bring back the Knights Raider and everything. No, he is literally on the verge. He's trying to become bigger than all of that. Yeah, and he's trying to ascend. Yes, yes. right. He wants to become a shard. So. Oh, man. And it's crazy to see how that builds up from part one, which I, I went back and listened to the other prologues after parts one and two. I remember our questions after after Way of Kings was, what was he trying to do? Was he? They were so simple, our questions before we got to Rhythm of War, and now we can see that he was kind of insane and a little bit dangerous. Yeah, book no. one, Gavilar's a good guy. Right. Yeah. You finish that when you're like, oh, he's a good guy who got killed. Yeah. When, you know, and we got to figure out what he was figuring out. He was right on the edge of something great. And every subsequent piece has been like, oh, no. No, he's not a good guy. By the time we get to the flashbacks in Oathbringer, we realize he's not, he's he's questionable here. And now we know this guy, yeah, he was. From our current perspective, yes. From our certain point of view. So. <laughs> do it, Ryan. From a certain point of view. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. So we get two revelations, yeah, and we've talked about both of them. The first one is kind of what Gavilar's working on. The second one is that he's a giant, giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> he is just a dick. And that, and that's new information. And now that and what that does, it gives us insight into Navani's current situation 
in Urithiru and why she's doing, or at least part of why she's doing what she's doing. I, I'm, I'm of the mind that she would be doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. This just gives her yeah. a little added motivation to prove herself. Anyway, so yeah, is there anything else to talk about with the prologue? Well, it shows us two other things. It shows us that Gavilar was aware of his and or her and Dalinar's affection, and he was kind of pissed about it, not just brushing it off. He he used that as kind of a cudgel against her once in a while uh, when they would start to argue. So that was interesting to know that he knew more that, about what was going on and that I didn't realize that, well, I mean, of course I didn't realize because we never saw anything, that they were so uh, bitter toward each other, especially toward the end there. That right. Gavilar and Navani seemed like, if not a loving couple, that they were at least a, a unified couple and they were on the same page until up until his assassination. And now we know that's not true. It was an emotional sequence. It really was. It really was. When the, she has the big fight with him and goes off and writes a prayer for him to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And has to deal with that guilt the rest of her life that he then died. And is it her fault that she prayed to her gods and it happened? Yeah. And honestly, can I, I, I do not have an answer to this question. I assume that book five or maybe later we'll, we'll get some juicy stuff like this. But it actually made me wonder... What is the basis for burning prayers? Because now we know that the Tranquiline Halls are a real place. Mm-hmm. And is there is there something beyond just religious symbolism to the burning of prayers? Uh, you know, and the, the way these glyphs work, because, you know, we know from Elantris that sometimes the writing and artwork can have power. Is that, you know, is there some kind of actual real communication happening and you know i don't know it's a potential place to to, to follow down because the idea of physically creating something so it has an existence in all three realms destroying it in one doesn't mean that it's gone from the others right yeah necessarily like potentially there could be something there that would be an interesting way to look at that versus uh just a hey almighty here's a fax (laughs) (laughs) burn a fax Uh, okay, and and that's this actually brings us to a uh, another Reddit question. This one was from Bila Bear, Bila Bear. I don't know. Whatever. It's not. It's not Build a Bear. It's pretty close to that. But anyway, which character or characters do you have the most respect for? Personally, I can't even imagine what Navani's day to day life is like, having to balance the general idiocy of the public along with Dalinar's noble yet infuriating stubbornness, all while keeping up appearances and never letting herself seem weak. She also doesn't seem to have any intimate personal relationships with any anyone besides Dalinar, not even Yasna. Thoughts? And this kind of feeds into, is she, as Ryan says, maybe the strongest female character that we have in the series so far? Is that what you said, or is it just yeah, in this book? not in the series, but in the uh, in this book for sure. Yeah. Um, she's definitely stepped up into that discussion otherwise. Uh, I I would say Navani is uh, with this with this person. I agree. Everything that she has been through, everything she's had to deal with uh, up to this point, does make me respect her a whole lot more. And it's not even just that she dealt with all this stuff in her past and she's still functioning. That's admirable enough. But it's like this person says, it, the day to day Navani. We've all met somebody like this where you just you marvel that this person can get so many things done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. does time work differently for you? <laughs> Do oh, yeah. you have, are, are there 58 hours in your day? Because I only get 24. Yeah. You know, F you, buddy, for being able to do all that stuff. <laughs> uh, Navani is that kind of person where it's just like, how do you do it? And uh, yeah, she's really great to watch. So, uh, sorry, Ryan, I think you were going to say something else. 
Uh, well, other the other characters, I don't really have, at this point in the book, uh, my respect for them has not really increased or decreased because we've we've seen a, just a natural progression in their in their lives in what's mm -hmm. happening. Kaladin's high marshal now. Dalinar has taken his role as bondsmith. Um, there's nothing that has been like, wow, I'm really impressed that you're doing this now because it's the natural sequence of what should be happening for these characters. The closest one to that uh, in sequence is, for me, Shallan um, moving into something that is a very frustrating... It was really frustrating for me reading through it. The, the three personalities uh, bothered me in Oathbringer. Like, I had a hard time coming Same. to terms with that. And the fact that we're, I felt like we're doubling down, we're going to be doing with this for longer. My respect for her as a character in balancing all three of them, my respect for Brandon as a writer and being able to make it so I didn't hate this anymore because of how that was balanced out uh, increased. But I think that uh, though Shallan is the other character that I have an increased respect for uh, in the sense that she has, she has figured out how to live with her disability. I, I don't, I hesitate to call it a disability at the moment, but that's the best way to put it for sure. me. She's the next one in, in terms of that. Okay, uh, Stephanie, I'm going to ask you, for your example next, so be thinking about it. But the one I want to bring up is Adolin. Uh, my respect yeah. for Adolin has gone up, uh, and it's from essentially from a single scene. There's a lot of stuff with Adolin in parts one and two, and, and he's a great character through all of it, but I love the scene when he makes Kaladin come to the party. Yes. Yeah. When oh, yeah. he recognizes that, now this is not a night when you should be alone. You have friends, and we get to be a part of your life, let's go it, that that kind of some might call it overbearing but i know that i've been in some pretty dark places sometimes and i would have loved to have somebody cut through my bull crap oh, i just want to be alone i just want to brood with my thoughts <laughs> you know I, I just want to caladin it up in my little studio and you know, be alone forever um and it's no that, that's a stupid idea yeah. Come out, you know, and you remember that you have people that care about you. And I loved that scene with Adolin. So uh, my respect for him went up. Stephanie. Yeah, of course, I have to go second when you stole what I was going to say. Oh, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, th I was trying to give you time to think about it. <laughs> so I think the the easiest for me to say is like Navani and Adolin have definitely stepped up. And I think that that's personally what Brandon has meant for them to do mm. is we have... Kaladin, Shallan, and Dalinar, who are all still kind of in that same spot where they're they're coming into who they're supposed to be, but we have definitely where Kaladin is on the broken side and he knows it and he's trying to come to grips with everything that's happened to him throughout the past. And so it's kind of hard to be like, Yay, I love Kaladin, because he's on he's in a really dark place right now. And reading some of these dark places is difficult. So when you have someone like Navani and especially Adolin, who are so optimistic, it's easier to enjoy what they have to say and to see them push forward with the story, pushing past the darkness that some of our other characters are dealing with right now. Because especially as Adolin, as we're learning more about Adolin and as they get into Shadesmart and some of the stuff that he decides to take on himself, I mean, his wife is insane. And he he deals with it. And they even comment about, I don't know how you manage this relationship with these three women. Like... The fact that you trust Shallan and her control of her personalities so much that he knows that he doesn't have to worry that Vale is out partying and drinking and doing who knows what because he knows that between the three of them, they're going to keep that under check. I mean, how many men can actually say, yes, I have 
that much faith and respect in my wife to know that her other personalities aren't going to take over <laughs> sometime. That's, well, that's, that's, that's how Ryan smiles. That's like, don't, you, don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I, I, I wonder a little bit about with all of our other characters. You know, we have Teft's addiction. We have Kaladin's depression. We have uh, whatever other characters are dealing with. Shalon, I think one of the things about her storyline and her character flaw, you know, whatever, the brokenness that she exhibits, the thing that's always bothered me just a little bit is that it's like, this is an incredibly rare psychological phenomenon. <laughs> this is not something we, we all repress and we all avoid and, and whatnot, but this idea of, of uh, dissociative personality, what, what is it? Dissociative personality disorder. Now. Yeah, there you go. Personality disorder. It's so, so rare. I have a really hard time talking about this at this stage in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe this is something we can come back to. I guess I just wanted to put that out there that this is, I, I, I have, I loved Shalon so much in the way of Kings and words of radiance. And uh, because she was, I felt like she was kind of accessible to somebody who had dealt with that version that we had seen up to that point of just kind of repressing your memories and, you know, please don't make me think about that. I don't really want to think about that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really recognizable. And then she really, really goes off the deep end in Oathbringer and we kind of have that here even more so. And it's been harder for me to say like, oh yeah, I really identify with Shalon and her struggles. And I imagine I'm not alone in that. No, I'm having a hard time with Shalon in this book. I, I will say that I'm impressed. It, it feels like Brandon is handling what could be a sticky topic to write about really well, though, in terms of, of her multiple personalities and everything. It, it would be easy to make that kind of a punchline or a caricature or, or use it as, as some, or minimize it somehow. But it feels like he's taking it seriously and he's writing it very respectfully. That being said, I just don't, I have a hard time dealing with all of it and See, that's that's me I mean, and that's i had me. a hard time remembering that she was all one character because in my mind as i'm listening to this book throughout all of this to me it was there's shallan there's veil and there's radiant and they are three very separate women and i forget that they're all in one body and so as they're listening and they're conversing with other people i was like okay well yeah this is veil shallan wasn't even a part of it so as you're talking about you're having a hard time dealing and like relating to shallan I think relating to Shalon and everything Shalon is dealing with is still the same because she's still dealing with that. If you take out the fact that she has two other personalities that are dealing with their own their own problems and they're that support system for her. But she still has to deal with anything in her past that she's repressed, that she's trying to remember. Anytime it comes up, she she closes in on herself. I think she's still very relatable if you think of Shalon as an individual and not as Shalon with three personalities. I can, Perhaps, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a good way to think about it. I think this also kind of on a, on a more meta note, this Shalon thing you just reminded me it would be impossible to read from a lesser author mm. because you couldn't keep track of you know which personality was in control at whatever yeah. time but brandon is kind of showing his skill here in uh he's he's really robert jordaning <laughs> the crap out of this robert jordan had uh, one of his gifts was in in the narration not the uh, not just the dialogue but in the narration you always knew whose perspective you were in 
because he had such a strong voice for each character that you're following along with. Um, and, and he, and so Sanderson does the same thing here where you always know which personality. Well, and even you're, going back to like with. Kate Redding and I mean, as I'm listening to it, cause I'm listening to all of this, I don't actually read them. So how well she does as a voice artist making sure I know that this is Vale talking because of the way that she kind of has, she falls back she into this. She inflects a little bit. Yeah. Different. It, I mean, they all kind of sound similar, but they are all very still three distinct voices that mm -hmm. she gives her characters. And I think that also helped me in my mind, separate them as three separate characters. Nice. Okay. Well, let's uh, go to another listener question. This one's from DM Pac on uh, what's that thing called? Discord. Join us on Discord. Uh, so DM Pac says, I'm curious how the team feels about Liren. Does he have a point or is he just a judgmental ass? <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Uh, so Ryan, you can confirm. I was texting you yes. I, I, maybe two or three times throughout the book. You read it before I did. You devoured the book in about four days. Uh, it took me, I, I started it right after that and then it took me about a week to read it. And I must have texted you three times throughout the book and said, I hate Liren. Oh my I hate gosh. Him so much. I... I did the same thing. I came storming up the stairs listening to my book. I'm like, Ryan, what is going on? <laughs> so, it, it, oh yeah. Did Brandon lay it on too thick? To, I, I, I don't know. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> here's the thing it, with Liren, because yes. I despised Liren uh, at the, especially at this point in the book, like parts one and two. Um, so maybe we should tell people why, why we hate <laughs> Liren so much. So Ryan set it up for us. Here's the thing. Liren is a pacifist. In the past, uh, he has shared this in Way of Kings and everything with Kaladin. Like, you, you don't need to kill to save people. You don't, and he's made, a, he's made right. a point. And it's felt like this really nice moral, like this is a person with a, you know, life first such a thing he's a doctor you know surgeon mm -hmm. this sort of thing and that's what it's felt now Liren is going so far as to saying that protecting yourself that doing like what doing what Kaladin is at his core doing is wrong so yeah. now he's he's starting to tell his son it's not just you can't you can't just save by by killing it's now you're wrong for doing this and all of a sudden we get this father with a father with a moral compass to this crossfit preaching angry level what like self-righteous self-righteous is that a crossfit thing no, i'm <laughs> just because they're emphatic. did you just did you just alienate the strongest five percent of our <laughs> listenership yes i've been looking to i've been trying to stir a fight somewhere and this is how i'm going to do it <laughs> no just in the sense of when you when you believe in something so much and so strongly that you have to tell everybody that, that this is how it oh, is yeah. and everything like oh, yes. you mean you mean vegans <laughs> or atheists how can we Let's, who else can we alienate Come I on, appreciate the three of you still listening and the two, two of you who are bots <laughs> no, that's, so that's essentially what Liren has done is he's, he's moved moral compass to the point where he's, he's ideologically blinkered yes and that it starts to get frustrating because we also see Kaladin and what he's doing and I, I understand some people might look at that well maybe he's right maybe Liren is right about this they're doing this uh, you are welcome to entertain that thought. If someone points a sharp, pointy thing at me, I'm probably going to respond differently. <laughs> like that's I'm I'm sorry. I, I I'm a little more connected to Kaladin in, in this. I I don't necessarily think that 
Liren is right here. I think there was a time that Liren is right. But yeah. It's... I think he had a moment in, Liren had a moment in his life where he went from the moral high ground to that self-righteous because I'm, I'm really hoping I'm in the right spot where he's having the conversation um, where he's talking about maybe it's better if we just let the Parshendi um, control us. That's the, yeah, Am I good? The end of part two. Okay, yeah. I can still have that. Okay, I was yeah. like, I was just like, I'm not going too far, am I? Yeah, and this is that's the part that pissed me off And the he's most, sitting here, going. well, why can't, what if this is better? What if we let them control us and this is better? And I think um, when you go back to when kind of Kaladin's life started falling apart with the High Lord that was over their town, whatever his Rishon. name is. Yeah, and that moment where... Liren really lost both of his sons. I think it was that moment where Liren finally realized that battling those that are above me is not worth it anymore. And that's where I think he finally took a really hard left on his moral compass to the point where it's, let's just not kill anyone anymore and let's let whoever's going to rule, rule. And That's I think, a really astute point. I like that. And I think it there was a moment in his life. Like I think the way that he raised Kaladin was great. I think he had a really nice thought process of, yes, I am a healer. I am a surgeon. I'm going to do what's best. But after losing his two sons, I think it broke him. It's uh, And yes, I think so. because uh, I, I think he addresses that point where it's, uh, if I hadn't tried to keep the the spheres from Rashon, I would I would still have both my sons at my side. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the big character shift. And because we loved him, we loved Liren at the beginning and what he was willing to do to try and stand up to other people and to you can kind of see a little bit of where Kalan Kaladin got, you know, between his mother and Liren's drive to to do what's right and to protect everything. And then we find out Liren cheated. And then he had to fight and then he lost his sons and everything. So now he's con- he, he decided to become a one-note person, and that, I think, is the most frustrating mm-hmm. thing because he was a likable, lovable character up I, until this, until he's ready to throw his own son under the bus yeah. when the Parshendi come in. I've always... I've never really liked Liren. Mm-hmm. I've, I respected him more in the first books, you know, to your point, Ryan, but I never liked him. He always felt small-minded to me. Okay. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I freaking hate Liren in this book. Uh, okay, so somebody else, Death Death by Zamboni, <laughs> another fantastic name on Discord, says uh, the scene toward the end of part two in which Kaladin kills the listener soldier um, in front of his father was significant for me. Here's why. While I was reading it, I was rooting for Kaladin to win the fight, then felt chided when Liren condemned him for killing. After thinking about it, I felt that Liren was completely in the right, and it made me realize that I have been conditioned to crave and root for violence in stories. Your thoughts. Uh, Ryan, you want to take this one? <laughs> uh, yes, I, you have been conditioned to crave violence and you have been conditioned to do all that. Uh, you're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I, I say that jokingly. I, I understand the perspective where, that you're like, oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't be wanting fighting and, and Liren is, is right on this. Uh, in the larger scale though, what that would do, not just to the book, but literally to say, to give up his son to the Parshendi in this, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that is, that is wrong. That's a father who has currently lost his value scale. 
And when you yeah. think about what Kaladin's actually fighting for, he's not fighting to just kill some listener. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to battle this guy because he's here. Like, he's about to take his best friend. Like, he is putting his life on the line for his best friend. And I think that's the difference that Liren does not realize as he is calling out his son for killing someone. That he doesn't realize that there is there is a bigger picture than just killing. There is a reason behind the killing. And whether that that is the moral reason or not is, I think, that... Let me ask this. Uh, at this stage... If Kaladin listens to his father and lets the Parshendi come in and take Teft and does this, has he broken his protection oath? Well, yeah. I would think so. I would I, I would absolutely think that. But I, I could see an argument for no, but uh, I would think yes. I think in the long run he would have broken his spirit. I think that would have taken Kaladin away from who Kaladin is, and I don't think that Kaladin could have done that without breaking himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, I think so. screw you, Liren, <laughs> up, up through at least part two. So, um, oh, great. Now I got to see where this goes. Don't think too much about that sentence structure. Okay. So, let's go back to a Reddit question. And uh, I want to go to uh, the Harmony letter. Wanny Wan, Wanny One says, Wanny Wanny. <laughs> definitely discuss the Harmony letter. Ken, I believe you are prepared to help us discuss the Harmony letter. It is long. Uh, we don't need to read the whole thing, but okay. do you want to just give us uh, some highlights? What is the um, Harmony letter? Harmony letter is the epigraphs in part two of, uh, of, of every chapter in part two. And it's a letter from Harmony, who is, uh, since we're in the spoilers, he is in the Wax and Wayne second second uh, series of of Mistborn and he is a, he's has the shards of ruin and preservation and he's written a letter to Wit or to Hoyd or uh, that's at least that's who we think it is he doesn't is. actually say is that it is the wanderer so uh, talking about how Wit has written him a letter and said hey talk to the other shards and get them on board with stopping Odium because dude is clearly insane and we got to stop him before he splinters all of us and takes over as the one soul god in the uh, universe in the cosmere so and this is and that's uh harmony's response to wit is the epigraphs in part two right there's a lot of that's not that's not shelling it but yeah there's a lot of cosmere lore uh, in this it's it is the first time that i can think of in this series when we have had a definitive world hopper character that we're aware of from another series speaking directly to hoyd um where we know who the other character is. We've had Frost. We've had other people in, that we've spoken with. Um, but this is the first time we have that happen. And uh, in this sequence, I'm pretty sure it's in this sequence, we get a bunch of Cosmere stuff that just kind of happens. Oh, it's just, it, as somebody put it, I can't remember Reddit, Discord, somebody was talking about the name dropping of yeah. the shards. Well, they, he name drops sort of uh, eight <laughs> shards or so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's four new of them. There are 16 shards, and uh, we now have 14 names, so we added four more on this one. Um, not everything, not every Cosmere reveal needs fanfare, and this didn't get fanfare, and that's fine. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, whoa, that's awesome. Um, but we get a better understanding if you piece all these together and read the letter in whole uh, as to how Odium is currently functioning. There is yeah. a lot there, uh, which we will unpack more later, I will say. But this is... Uh, 
I did not the first time that I read this. I did not catch that it was Harmony that wrote these. I was like, Oh, really? Really? I didn't. It was really so... the only reason I caught it is because it says Ed's voice from the Mistborn mm-hmm. audiobooks. I, I it, is to it really? me it was kind of to the point. He I uses was... the same voice when he's reading through those, and it's it says oh. it, which. I caught it because in, in like chapter <laughs> hey, 30, spoiler alerted, so. chapter 38, 39, something like that. He talks about the shards of ruin or preservation, which he is not ruin or preservation, but they are in me. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's says Ed. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'm tearing through this book in four days, <laughs> having right. to wait 30 seconds for the first page of every chapter to load out of a blurred thing. So I'm just kind of like, let's go. Oh, right. That's right. You were doing the PDF. <laughs> yeah. I was so, I, I did not catch it the first time. Well, uh, but yes, that, it's a very, there's, it's very clear and obvious once you go back and look at it, who just it is. Just bear in mind that I caught something Ryan didn't on first. It's pass, okay. So. I, I have to be on high alert this time. I've already been warned uh, that uh, people are going to be watching my Cosmere on the, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. Is, is it, uh, is Jafu ready to pick a fight with you? J- Jafu <laughs> said he was uh, going to be very nitpicky so <laughs> i'm i'm aware jafu is staring at my nits so wow. at your what <laughs> well he might be the only one <laughs> all right so the, anything else on the harmony letter that's roughly it harmony uh, he, he basically points out that the shard and the vessel are separate but they might be similar in intent and the the shard is the power but it's kind of driven by the motivations of mm. the vessel. So if the person is crazy and the shard is crazy, then you're in really trouble. But investiture that is not controlled develops a will of its own. Yeah. Um, with this story, so somebody asked us, or somebody said, Piscoticus, Piscoticus, uh, whatever, on Reddit says, uh, is it just me or was was there everything Cosmere kind of starting to come together a little? Metals, colors, and all the rest. So we've kind of talked about yeah. this a little bit. I, I was curious. Okay, so yes, obviously we've had some colors. Uh, we've had metals that we've discussed mm-hmm. in this book so far, right? Yes. Yes. Colors, yes. metals, and then there's the breaths. scene with Zyle mm-hmm. and Kaladin. Is that in part Chapter one? Chapter fifteen. Oh, okay. What a great. So week. Ken knows what we're talking about. We can continue on. Is that when he? Uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay, so there's. You know what? Okay, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Piscoticus did not note that this is only about parts one and two, but then neither did I, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll move on from that. There's gonna be even more. If you want Cosmere to talk, stuff. if you want to talk Cosmere lore, it will probably be have to be after we finish the book. Yeah, as mm-hmm. a dedicated piece, because that's sorry, I think, everybody. I think that needs to be done because this one is so steeped in it. There are at least four different systems that they talk about in parts one and two. But Doesn't Zyle use breath, though? Yes. yes. In mm-hmm. that fight? Yes, okay. he does. Yes. And Kaladin, because we're watching from Kaladin's perspective, there are all these little things that happen in that fight sequence where he sees a you know a face and a sheet and things like that, and then he he doesn't understand it. Like, he gets Stormlight, and he gets an, oh, the other thing. He doesn't understand what this is, but we... How this you, fabric's coming to life and attacking him. Right. And all the little things, like he's got, you know, the rope that's wrapped mm-hmm. around him, and, and or he's using a... It's not a scarf, but a basically a scarf. Yeah, uh, he's using those things. Like so, for those who are familiar with Warbreaker and how breath works and everything, it's this really cool sequence, and you get to experience it through the perspective of somebody who doesn't understand this other form of investiture. Um, and it brings up uh, there's another question because I did peruse a little bit in Discord and Reddit a little bit, um, and I don't know how much we can discuss. Uh, Marais talks about what the purpose of the Ghost Bloods is. 
And that is yeah. that they want to control the movement of Stormlight or of Investiture off of Roshar to other places. To use it right. in other, yeah, Cosmere. Because lines. we all love trade agreements. They make for the best <laughs> movies and the best stories. I cannot wait for the blockade of Roshar. <laughs> yes. That's a great point. Uh, <laughs> now that's wind running. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Um, does that make the story feel too small for you? It, do you know what I mean? That's part of the thing with episode one where it's like, yeah, you we're talking about Star Wars, you know, mm. trade agreements and all that. It's like, if you if you actually try to pay attention to the story in episode one, you immediately fall asleep. Because <laughs> yeah. who gives a crap? You know, oh, we, we, she must sign the treaty, the trade agreement. It, it, who cares? <laughs> you know, like aggressive snoring commences. Um, does that... Did that happen for you in this case? No. Uh, and I will tell you that the only reason that that's the case is because of where we are in the storyline. Yeah. Uh, this kind of goes back to the first thing. Is, it, is this where the Cosmere is coming together? Yeah. Yeah. We're about to hit a major uh, timeline crux point for the Cosmere as a whole in the next, like in this and the next book type thing. Yeah. That's just where we're at. It's naturally time to approach Cosmere lar at large. What this means, though, is we look at this and go, well, that doesn't seem like such a bad thing or such a big deal. Like, why should I care? Until you start looking at other worlds and what it would mean if you could carry things to that. Imagine being able to take a boatload of Stormlight uh, over to Warbreakerville. Uh, <laughs> now, Malthus. Malthus, thank you. I was struggling. I'm struggling uh, with planet names at the moment. Fantastic. He's got a lot on his mind, Jeff Wu. Don't, don't worry about it. Warbreakerville. <laughs> Warbreakerville. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. You broke me. That was it. That was the one. Okay. But what it would mean to be able to do that sort of thing. It's... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, as soon as you started talking again, I heard it again. Oh, okay. I need to get past this. Be professional. Whew. All right. Here we go. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're looking at is just what it means to the rest of the Cosmere to have a source that replenishes itself in a place to go to other places where it does not necessarily replenish in the same way. Yeah. Um, and whoever controls that could be the most powerful force in the Cosmere. So essentially, Stormlight is an unlimited energy source pretty much right Rel i mean relatively speaking yes uh, yeah because it's, a, it's cause a renewable it's energy renew source. yeah, it's yeah. A, <laughs> there you go it's the, this is a cosmere green energy solutions whatever. <laughs> stormlight is arc technology yeah, it's it's this is the solar panel version of renewable <laughs> tech here <laughs> all right so yeah there's a lot to look forward to all right so we're uh, coming up on the end of our time here so I think we, we've covered we some covered listener. So little. I know. Oh my gosh. We've covered some listener questions. Uh, there's a ton more to talk about. Honestly, there really, really is. I mean, I'm tempted to do another episode on parts one and two, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe a shortened. Maybe version. yeah. Maybe do like a weekend episode or something. But what else? What, what's the top of your list, Ryan? What else do we need to talk about? Uh, what else do we need to talk about? Because I use my words before we go. Uh, I just really want to I want to take a second and see what everyone's feelings are in terms of how did you feel going into this reading up to this point? Uh, simply because each one of these books has had a different feel 
as we've gone through, it's been paced differently. It's been, there's different aspects. And like with Oathbringer, uh, I remember us talking about that it felt slower, you know, good stuff happening, whatever, but it felt slower at the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that is happening in this story. It's spread across a lot of things. And just by sheer quantity of what's of, of things that we're following, there's a lot to follow, but it still to me felt, uh, the beginning didn't feel too slowly paced, but especially as we got into part two, all of a sudden I'm starting to go, okay, a little bit, I feel like we're slowing down pace a little bit because we've got to get yeah. deeper in these things. And then we end part two with my favorite thing in fantasy literature, let's have a court scene. You know, we're not actually in the court scene, but <laughs> we're going like to have a, a trial. Yeah, we're going to go and have a trial. I don't know why I despise them so much, but every time there's a trial sequence in a fantasy book, I'm like, I <laughs> just, why? Was it Towers of Midnight that just broke you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. You've got, if you find them guilty, we got to figure out how to get them out. If you find them innocent, we wasted our time. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, although as far as the pace of the book, um, at least up to this point in part two, what's happening in this, and apparently this is something that Brandon mentioned to, uh, to people early on in the writing process is that. He's he is fully familiar of his tendency toward the Sanderlanch, as we all now call oh, it, right? Right. Uh, he knows that that's how he tends to write books: you build, 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 and then just have this like orgasmic explosion of action at the end of a, a book, and it all, you know, whatever. Um, he deliberately put his Sanderlanch at the very beginning of this book. And so when you read part one, you're having the climactic battle scene with the fourth bridge and the, you know, the people are flying all over the place and you you get eight different categories of power, your your magic users flying around Mm -hmm. fighting each other. And this is the Sanderlanch in part one and and at the beginning of part one. And then it finishes and then you go and set up the rest of the story. It's very strange. And I appreciate that he's trying to do something a little bit different and not just follow the exact same pattern in every single book. I, I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But it does make for a very weird read, uh, especially at the beginning. It it did. And this might sound strange coming from the punching guy, but it was almost it was almost too much right up front for me. I mean, because I liked that it got right into it and we're we're not... We're just going to jump right into the action. But all of a sudden we have these core of wind runners and all these edge dancers and all of these different. He establishes very quickly the transition of time and how much things have grown in the last yeah. bit of time since we finished Oathbringer till now where we had, you know, one of every Power Ranger out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now we have. And now and now teams. we have we have all of these these armies of radiance and it felt just immediately to have it thrown in your face like that felt like much all of a sudden. And it felt, it felt like it was in danger of me going, Oh, this is all now passe. But then once it's done, once the, that's done and we get into the normalizing stuff where we actually get into the characters and seeing their progressions that actually felt refreshing for, to get to Kaladin and, and, and get to our characters and see, Oh, Hey, they're doing stuff that is not radiant related necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. It felt refreshing. The problem that I have with it is a very simple one, and you were kind of skirting close to it, Ken, and that's that this action is unearned. Yes. And so you may be a punching guy, but part of the reason that punching is so great in 
many of the books that we read is because you care. Yeah, because we get that. You get, know, it's the old It gives argument. us a reason. Yeah. It's the old argument about uh, why the the uh, A New Hope lightsaber fight is so great is because it means something, even if it's too, like, crusty old men, you know, waving <laughs> sticks around, but it means something. And so it's a great action scene. And so in this one, it's, it, sure, it means something. And yes, we know these characters, but the setup isn't there. It's, we don't, we, d- we didn't get to see the edge dancers form as uh, as a group. We didn't get to see, yeah, we got to see bridge four come together, but now yeah. what, there's 200, 300, 300 wind, runners yeah, wind runners going around. We didn't get to see any of the, uh, the progression with our bad guys and, or okay, fine, our antagonists mm-hmm. and yep. how they set up their, their societies and what kind of powers they have. And so it just, it, it's an exciting action sequence, but I, I just didn't care. And I so, think that's the reason I think cause it's unearned. So it yeah. kind of uh, dragged a little bit. Stephanie, what did you think? I'm just going to sit here and let you three talk. Cause I, don't know if I noticed any of whatever it is you guys just said. <laughs> I, well, let me let me say this really quick, if I may. Sorry, Go. I don't want to cut you off there, but that's why the uh, siege, the raid on your Ethereum, your felt more earned to me, I guess, because it it felt more exciting. Yeah. Once they got there, and I was surprised that they got there in the end of part two and not in the end of part four. He I, he really he did yeah. really front load the action in this. I have to say I disagree with it not being earned simply because its its purpose isn't a payoff. Its purpose is to establish that time has progressed, that we are now at this stage of things. Um, okay. And if we want to go back and see how things were formed or whatever, uh, that's for novellas and other pieces. You know, it's to explore the uh, forming of the uh, unseen court and everything. Uh, we, we can see all that in novellas and other moments. But uh, it, Brandon can't... Uh, does not have the pages available in front of him, the runway available to ha, him. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, right. He does not have that <laughs> to give us the build on everything. Uh, I, I don't think that's an so, option. So it, starting your book with an action sequence, totally time-tested, and, and uh, it's a great way to start your book. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying it's so big, and it's so extended. And we get so much information thrown at us. It's a bit like um, the prologue to The Way of Kings. Uh, one of the complaints that people have about the prologue of The Way of Kings is uh, you have this action sequence with Zeth, uh, you know, slaughtering all the guards and going killing Gavilar, but that's punctuated by paragraphs full of explanation of how he's able to do what he does. And, yeah. You know, what yeah. surges are and, oh, this is the second bind or surge or whatever. And uh, And it's kind of a similar thing here where it's like, the action takes forever because it's being used as uh, as that setup it, where in another story structure, those things would have been set up elsewhere. And then you just get this crazy action sequence and you know what's going on. So you don't have to stop and have explanations, explanations thrown at you. So anyway, that's uh, sorry. That's what that's where I'm coming from. You're welcome to disagree, obviously. No, that's but fine. I, I think the purpose of this is, like I said, to establish that, but also to let us see how. Uh, how the bad how the bad guys fight now uh, it introduces the pursuer and um, th- there's a sense of honor in the with our our with uh, our windrunner fused windrunner fused yeah that I there's there's a lot whatever the, I, the heavenly ones yeah I, I we could I could break that down quite a bit we've like I said we've already pushed a lot of time on this and we have not even touched most of our 
main characters. Oh my and gosh, we didn't issues. talk at all about Venley. I mean, <sighs> Venley. Here, here's the thing. How all about right. you know, you know, Kaladin and his new like you put failed upwards in this. And I'm like, I'm not really sure. Failed is that's the right yeah. Word, that's but, uh, that was offensive, Ken. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. <laughs> but like, we haven't talked about uh, Kaladin's direction. What Dalinar is doing? Like, where there's. Even we haven't touched Dalinar so, at all. There's so much. Oh, okay. Did you so say you wanted to Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our normal episode structure. We're going to talk about parts one and two. We're done with that now. We'll do parts three and four. We'll discuss part five. And then we will do one or more bonus episodes. We'll have like six dis- episodes of actually discussing the whole book. Discussing the whole book. <laughs> and and what, we're, what we'll do is these are just, honestly, these episodes are just meant to be kind of fun companions as people read along. It's not meant to be exhaustive. No, mm-hmm. we're not getting to everything. We won't get to everything. We could devote an entire, like, not just episode, but we could make a new podcast just discussing the Stormlight Archive and we would never get to everything. Okay, so that's not the purpose. This is really just meant to be kind of fun for, you know, when you're done reading parts one and two, you come listen to this and and enjoy it. But yeah, there are other things that I think are worth discussing. So as we get to the end of these, what I want people to do is email me. Okay, so we, we do discussions on Reddit. We do discussions on Discord, and that's fine. I will listen to people there. But if you email me by going to thelegendarium.com, and say, you know what, I really wish you guys would have talked about this. Email it to me, I will put it in a folder, and we will sort through those and uh, and discuss some of those things in those bonus episodes after we're done with this. How does that sound? Is that good? Yes. I'm for it. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, you're the one I, you're, you're the co-host, I need your sign off for this. I think so. that's a great idea. I have things I want to talk about still. Now that like, Ryan's now the, going now to be the emailing you right. like, to, yeah. Yeah, to make sure that he can talk about what he wants to talk about. <laughs> well, and the thing is, but I also know that people, there are some things that people will want us to talk about that are important enough to the to the story that it's worth talking about. Like, I, I'm coming back to Kaladin because I love him and he's my character and this, but dealing with his, uh, we talked already about Brandon dealing with Shalon's, uh, her issues. Kaladin has PTSD. Kaladin is dealing with uh, all of these things and having to deal with a value of sense of self-worth and everything when he is promoted away from his role because he needs to find a new way to do it because he's not going to be as effective. He's going to get himself killed and he's going to get other people killed. And, oh, man, I just... It broke my heart to watch that happen and I was so angry. I was so angry when I read it the first time, Brandon, I'm like, you cannot take him out of the fight. You cannot take him out of it because it's going to, it's going to break him. It's going to break him again. And it's going to put him in the worst place to do this. He needs to be with his people. He needs to be in the battle. That's where he's best. And I appreciate so much learning I'm wrong in this. I had a hard time with with what was happening with Kaladin. But we also got the most die-hard, awesome Kaladin sequences coming, you know, in this in this story. That's, I, I'm excited. And, and when you say die-hard... I literally mean... You die, literally mean... Nakatomi the, Plaza. Okay, yeah. I literally mean that <laughs> this book was Stormlight Archive Die Hard Edition. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
die hard with a sprengeance. <laughs> oh, okay. no, you did not say that. <laughs> I hope you came up with that immediately because if you workshopped that... I'm I not... literally... That was, I, I was oh actually going gosh. to say something else and then sprengeance came out and now I kind of want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good yippee kaye some option there, so... <laughs> uh, PG-13. All right. So, again... We didn't talk about everything. I am glad you mentioned that. Slip that in there, Ryan. That's that's good that you got that in there. But we are over time. We're going to call it here. There are 800,000 other things from parts one and two that we could discuss. So email me. You can go directly to our website, thelegendarium.com. Click on the contact link. That goes straight to me. Or you can email Craig at thelegendariumpodcast.com. And I get it there too. So with that, I'm sorry. All of you screaming at your your <laughs> earbuds these days, probably, uh, that we didn't talk about this, that, or the other. So, uh, yeah, I, I do want to hear what you want us to talk about. Okay. You guys cool with that? Here we go. Parts three and four will come up in, I don't know, a couple weeks. We'll talk about them then. S see you guys then? Mm -hmm. All, All right. right. Fine.